I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Uh, this week, our guest is T.K. Kelly. Um, he's a Chicago native and recent Ohio State graduate. Um, T.K. just earned status on the Latin American tour, and he turned professional after a uh, good amateur career he, that he uh, won a NCAA regional last year two Illinois State amateur titles, uh, beating up on hacks like me, and uh, you know his senior year he had uh, All-American honor and bowl mention honors. So TK, welcome uh, on. Thanks for having me on. I've, uh, I'm excited to hop on here and talk about some stuff and have a fun little discussion. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, diverging. We've been on a uh, architect tear, and uh, we love... Uh, kind of the whole going for uh, professional career and the journey and glad to kind of catch you on your, your early part of your uh, journey to hopefully the PGA Tour here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going to be down in Latin America this spring and fall uh, playing on that tour and I'm excited, excited to just get it going and see what traveling is all about. You know, meeting a ton of people and seeing a, a bunch of new places. I'm really looking forward to it. Should be a should be a fun time. Yeah. So why don't you uh, give our listeners a little background into you, how you got into golf, and kind of your career thus far? So my biggest uh, probably point of my background would be that my mom. Uh, she also played college golf. She played at the University of Tulsa. Um, and they actually won a national championship in women's golf while she was there and got second two other years. And so she, a bunch of her teammates went on to play on the LPGA Tour and she played with the, she just played with ladies that played at other schools that are on the tour now and in broadcasting and stuff. So she has a lot of, a lot of friends throughout the game and golf is just kind of something that's always, always been really big part of our family uh, my grandfather was on the board for the WGA and was a member at Butler back in the day with all the old Western Opens that were out there and he was the chairman for the 1990 Senior Open at Medina so just <clears throat> just a big part of uh, and I, it wasn't the Senior Open in 90 it was the US Open that was when Hale Irwin won but um yeah, so golf has just kind of been a big part of our family and um, just got introduced to the game at a very young age and took a liking to it and slowly started to quit every other sport as I got older to just focus more and more on golf because I could just tell that was the sport I love the most and it's what I like to do. How, how long did it take you to beat uh, Mom on the golf course? Um, 
think I was probably around 10 or 11. Um, she, once she had me and my brother, she didn't, she didn't quite keep her game up as much. She didn't really practice as much anymore. And the less she practiced, the less she wanted to play because it, it always would annoy her or bother her that she couldn't play as good as she used to be able to. Uh, she's the most competitive person I've ever known. And so she has gotten back into it in the last few years. Uh, now that me and my brother, I'm through college and my brother's in college, so she has more time to work on her game and she's definitely taking advantage of that. And we have a lot of fun with our family foursome grudge matches whenever we go on golf trips or holidays back home. So it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, she she's getting back the game a little bit. She she'll play some really good golf in sports. I think a a summer or two ago we were up at Aaron Hills and she convinced me and Will to give her one too many shots and she ended up shooting a seventy four on us at Aaron Hills and her and her dad beat me and my brother by an absolute landslide. So that was a tough loss. But yeah, she uh she, we all have a lot of fun with it as a family. Does your uh, dad have game, or is he kind of dragging down the family handicap? He has some game that he doesn't want to let on. He doesn't want uh, really anybody to believe the game he has, but he's he's always had a pretty smooth swing, um, hits the ball nice. He was a really good putter, putter when I was growing up, but he seems to have been struggling with the flat stick a little bit the last couple of years. Um but yeah, no, he can he can play some good golf as well. Just not, I wouldn't say and he'll he would admit that it's not quite to the level of me and my brother and my mom. But he's a he's a dark horse in the family for sure. Yeah, it's probably getting getting a, getting some good pops and can sneak up on you, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, who were some of uh, kind of your favorite golfers growing up? I always think this is interesting. Um, with the you know, younger guys. I was a big Tiger guy. He was kind of huge when I was young. But I'm curious with uh, you, who was kind of some of the big influences? I mean, for me too, it was just far and away Tiger. Um, especially growing up uh, out at Medina, one of my earliest golf memories was going out to the 99 PGA. Um, and I was only five years old, but I was still walking around with my mom, and I just can faintly remember watching Tiger. And then in 2006, I was 12 then, so I have a lot better recollection of that, and that's when I was really getting into golf, and Tiger just blew away the field again there. So it was just like watching my hero right in front of my eyes. Um, I would always go down to the Western Open at Cog Hill and what became the BMW to watch Tiger, and he was just almost like a mythical creature to me and um played all the games video games tiger woods video games growing up and that's that was kind of the heyday of my childhood was in video games started to get really big like that so that also played into it um but then also some some just other guys i was a huge camillo fan um around the 2006 pga i think i followed him on thursday and friday like all 36 holes that week um, just I was really into the Jay Lindbergh clothing line back then and he was rocking JL and he was ripped and just hit it forever and was kind of a cool guy that's when he did the Spider-Man thing on the greens looking back at it now it's kind of funny but just 
when I was a 12-year-old kid walking around. I thought Camillo was one of the coolest guys out there. So and then uh, early in your junior yeah. career, were you just decked out in Jay Lindenberg? Were you that guy? No, I had I had one mock Jay Lindenberg shirt <laughs> that I loved to wear. Um, if I look up a picture of it now, it is probably the most brutal golf shirt I've ever owned. Um, and I regrettingly did have uh, a white Jay Lindenberg belt with a big JL buckle. Um, that has since long been retired, um, but those were those two pieces definitely were two staples of my junior golf wardrobe, probably around the age of twelve to thirteen, um, which they they have not seen the light of day probably since then. But back then, they were uh, definitely two of my favorite articles I had. You know, I keep wondering like when the white belt's gonna die because like. There's such strong resentment towards it now with uh, a certain aspect of the community, golf community, but I keep seeing more and more young kids wearing white belts. Like, what is, what's going on? Where's the disconnect? Yeah, oh, that's a good question. I, if you, when I was 14 or something, someone were to tell me that white belts were cool, I would probably look at them like they were crazy because I was convinced that white golf belts, like, I would primarily only ever wear white golf belts like I I didn't think anything else looked good and now I look at an outfit and I put a black belt on with it and I'll think you know back in the day I would have thought this looked this looked weird but uh I just think it's an age thing I think kids once they get to a certain age realize that all right you know like I didn't probably you did I don't know if you were ever in on them but just like this isn't this just doesn't look good anymore but when you've got, you know, guys on a tour wearing big white belts, you've got a four-year-old guy at the club wearing a big flashy white belt, then there's a there's a real problem there because there's just no excuse for that. Yeah, I mean, if I dig up the relics, I mean, I'm guilty. I I had a white belt that would make appearances for like two, three years, but it's been long retired, kind of like yours. It's a you know it's. You look back and just shake your head at some of the things that used to be in for golf. Um, so, you know, you had a good high school career, and then uh, you went to Ohio State. Um, what other schools were you looking at, and why did you go to Ohio State? I was looking at Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa. Those are probably my big final three. Um I like the opportunities that the other two schools offered me. Um, I think they both have, you know, awesome history with their golf programs and have really good teams. Obviously, what Illinois has done in the last five or six years has been remarkable. Coach Small has done an unbelievable job there. Um, but I just, what stuck out to me about Ohio State was just the lure of being an athlete at Ohio State and everything that came along with it and just the history of the athletic program there and uh, the history of the golf program as well. It, Mr. Nicholas having played there and John Cook, Joey Sindelar, um, there's just a, even recent guys like Ryan Armour who had a great web.com tour season last year and Bo Hogue's another one who's, who's getting out there now and he's starting to play well. So, um, just a lot of history and 
just it was the perfect distance away from home for me uh six hours driving and only an hour flight if i needed to get back home from something um i just kind of wanted to to go out to ohio state and columbus and kind of have something that was my own a little bit i had no connections to the school or anything like that and i thought it was a good opportunity for me to step away from chicago and home and kind of make a name for myself somewhere else yeah i think i mean the climate's got a little bit better too um so with uh kind of jack and i obviously jason day calls columbus home did would jason day spend any time around the around the practice facilities i saw he shot that uh, Nike commercial out there. Yeah, he did shoot that Nike commercial out there, and he, when I was in school at one point my last year, he uh, he came to check out the facility to see if there was, you know, if he had any use for it or if he wanted to practice out there at all. And I believe he has gone out there and practiced uh, from time to time. He he never came out and practiced with the team per se, um, he would just kind of, you know, use the facility when we weren't out there just to kind of get away and find a quiet spot to work on his game when he was back home, because I knew um, he finds his time back home really valuable to him and his family, so he, he kind of kept it quiet when he was back in Columbus, but every once in a while, um, you know, he, you could tell he was just out there, that he'd been around a little bit, um, which was kind of cool, and it was really cool to see that commercial um shot at our facility because i had no idea that it was and all of a sudden i looked at the video on twitter one day and i was like hey it's building what's pretty familiar there so that was cool to see it's it's probably good that he wasn't out there when you guys were because you know if he was playing in front of you as a single you guys would just be standing waiting (laughs) for him to finish his pre-shot routine (laughs) that's a good point we might uh get sick too (laughs) whatever uh ailments he's catching it was good that he wasn't out there so we wouldn't get those two and get the whole team sick i mean he might have caught some stuff from you just you know even being in the facility and being you know subjected to you know college germs that's it yeah it's a good point it's a really good point stuff from the dorms so, you know, you, you're in college, you're playing all the AM stuff. Uh, you know, what, what's some of the stuff that you'll miss most about amateur golf as you uh, now head to the Latin American tour? I think the biggest thing to miss about amateur and college golf is just the, the experiences at every tournament uh, that we often got in the also just the golf courses that we got to play um like our first tournament of the year my senior season was the carmel cup at pebble beach and we stayed in the lodge for four nights and got to play at pebble beach four days in a row um i shared a room with my best friend at school and we were right off the first tee of pebble beach and we were just talking like there's nothing else really top this experience we're not going to be able to you know find a cooler buddy golf trip than the one we're on right now playing a tournament at pebble for the next four days um it's just experiences and the unique tournaments like that that college golf and amateur golf uh lends itself to 
is really, I think, the best part about it. And just the camaraderie of going to these different amateur events like Sunny Hanna and having the membership embrace it so much and having events every night and long drive contests and, you know, socials with members of the clubs that brought everybody together and just, you know, it, it was serious during the tournament days, but it was also fun at night and it was fun to just hang out and, you know, enjoy enjoy each other and have some fun. Yeah. Um, Columbus is awesome. Golf City. Did you guys, you know, obviously you have the Scarlet course out there um, that you primarily use, but did you guys get to play like uh, um, Muirfield, uh, Sayota, um, Double Eagle out there also? We did a little bit. We played Muirfield quite a bit in the fall my freshman year because we had the Jack Nicholas Invitational out there. Um, that was our home event that we hosted that fall, which I believe is possibly going back to there in the next couple of years. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but that, that was the word on the street a little bit. Um, so yeah, we played out there a ton that fall to get ready for that event. And then we play out there here and there um, every once in a while. It, there was never really much need for us to play at a bunch of places around Columbus because Scarlet's such a good test and such a good place to work on your game. But we also played um, a little bit, like if high school state championship was going on that, or if our course wasn't available during the web event, we would play out there a little bit, which is, that course is unbelievable. It's just an awesome club, too. Uh, we played a couple times out at the golf club in New Albany, which is a pretty, which is a pretty unique spot. Um, one of the very few Pete Dye courses that I enjoy playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I never played, never played double eagle. I've always heard great things about that place, but never had the, uh, never had, I know our team played there once or twice, but I was either out of town or back home for the weekend or something, but I've heard that's a pretty awesome track as well. Yeah, I hear pristine conditions. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're going, one through four, uh, Muirfield, the golf club, Scioto, and uh, Scarlet Course. What, what, how do you rank them? Ooh, that's a, that's I, I'd a tough say, question. Where, I think you where, have to put... Where are you playing wish, the most times out of ten? Let's. I, I'm not a big ranker, but where are you going to play the most times yeah, out of ten? You know, how would you split them up? If I was going to play the most times out of ten... I would play Scioto first. Then I would play Muirfield next. Then I would play the golf club. And then Scarlet. And I say them in those order because Scioto is the golf that I grew up loving in Chicago. It's your classic, just kind of punch you in the face, tough, um, just classic golf course, long, great green complexes, good bunkering. It's just a, it's just an awesome test, and it's just on a really nice piece of rolling property there in Upper Arlington. It's just a, it's just a really fun 18 holes of golf when you play out there. Then I would say Muirfield next because it's deterred the course you see in the Memorial. There's some awesome golf holes out there. It's really pretty. It's in perfect shape all the time, and. Uh, 
it's fun to play out there. And I say the golf club third because it's it's a lot of fun to play out there when it's kind of a unique experience. I don't, it's a, I don't know if it's a place that I'd want to play every single day because it would kind of lose its mystique to me if I played out there every day because it's a place that you play maybe once or twice a year and you really enjoy. Um, and then I would just say Scarlet Lash just because I played there basically five days a week for four years. So it's, it's really hard. I, I still think it's really hard but I would much rather play the other golf courses in Columbus than Scarlet anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. I was out at Scarlet for that web event this year, and uh, it's, I mean, that's a great golf course to get to play every day just because it tests the crap out of your game. Um, it's interesting. Like, you look at that tournament, and year in, year out, it, you know, it's one of the few places the web.com plays that's actually like a, PGA Tour level venue, and you get a little bit different of a leaderboard um, where you got, you know, par is actually valued as opposed to most of the spots that are just birdie fest. Yeah, absolutely. And when that place gets firm, some of those fairways are just impossible to hit, and the greens are severely undulated. It can just be a place that can just give you headaches playing out there but it is it's fun to see that web event go out there and have it be a you know almost US Open-ish like scoring you know five unders a pretty good week for a guy and you know, your good chance that you're probably going to win or finish pretty high in the field if you shoot five six under mm -hmm. um, so in terms of you touched on Chicago a little bit while we're on the golf course subject uh, what are your favorite spots to play in Chicago and Maybe give somebody a, an, your under-the-radar gem that not a lot of people know about. Obviously, everybody knows about the big names, but... Well, my biggest under-the-radar gem has to be Knollwood. Um, that's a course that if people were looking at overall body of work in Chicago, probably leave off the list every time. And definitely someone from outside of Chicago would probably have never heard of Knollwood. I know a lot of guys for the Western Am last year probably had never heard of Knollwood and walked away at the end of the week being like, wow, that's an awesome track. Um, it's just, I don't know how many times you've played out there, but it's just a cool spot. Um, I think it's just, it's got some unique holes. It's the start, how it kind of loops around the clubhouse, the first five holes is really cool. And I've just always enjoyed every round of golf I've played out there. Uh, but yeah. some of my other favorites, I think Skokie pops off the list pretty high. Played out there my freshman year for Northwestern's event. Had never known it was a good course before then, and probably a little naive at that age, but still, I was. it's one of my favorites. Butler's up there as well. Um, then another cool place to play. Just I think Black Sheep is one of the one of the most fun experiences you can have playing golf anywhere, especially in Chicago. Um, you could play out there from from dawn to dusk every day and never get bored. Um, all the different options out there. So those are some of my some of my favorite courses in the area. Yeah, I I, um, I grew up working at Knollwood, so I worked bagroom, top junior golf, and caddied. So I've walked that golf course like probably and played it 
2,500 times or some absurd amount. It's so good. It's it, it, The best is the membership do, knows how good it is, and they don't care what anybody else thinks. Um, yeah. You know, they, don't, they could care less about rankings. Um, the, um, I, you know, Black Sheep's a spot that's I got to get out to this year. I've heard nothing but really good things. That Dave Essler guy um, who did it, he's done some cool work with uh, renovations around Chicago area. Under the radar, good. I, I, I played Black Sheep with him last summer. Um, he was a uh, he played golf at Ohio State actually around the time my mom played out at Tulsa. So he was on the IGGA board with my mom. So she kind of set that up with him, and I was able to. I went out there and played with him and his son, and it was uh, it was a cool experience. It was the first time I'd ever played a course with the golf with the guy who designed it. So I was picking his brain and asking some questions here and there. So that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a cool experience. I did did the same thing down in Orlando last week with uh, Thad Layton, who's now in charge of Arnold Palmer Design. It's just a, it's interesting to hear them talk about you know the like little challenges and you know what they were trying to do it's it's cool definitely an experience that everybody should uh try and get one time yeah that's where all the I feel like random stories of i actually wanted to build this hole this way but we couldn't because of this so this is where this this great hole was my plan b for this hole and it actually ends up being you know the best hole on the course or something like that yeah it's uh it's interesting it's a, i think that's one of the cool things about architecture is you could give um 30 architects the same piece of land and you'd get 30 completely different golf courses it's you know it's really an art underappreciated aspect of golf yeah absolutely i think dave's working on a pretty big project out in oregon i believe called pacific gales that's supposed to supposed to be done um in the next few years that he's been working at for a while um he get i think he got the land like 10 or so years ago and he's just been he's been involved with every single part of the project so that's something to look out for that should be a pretty cool design out there it's that pacific northwest is gotta have some of the best golf of any area um it's like so under the radar because i feel like the pacific northwest is just there you know and nobody really pays attention yeah. to it. Um, and it's like you got Bandon, you've got you've got Wine Valley, you've got uh, Gamble Sands, you've got Chambers up in uh, Washington, but then you've also got like you know Dan Hickson's just finishing up a reversible course that's supposed to be really cool called Sylvie's Ranch. I uh, I need to spend like two weeks there I think this summer and just knock it out. It, oh, the uh Witch Hollow at Pumpkin Ridge is also an unbelievable golf course. We played the Nike event out there the fall of my senior year, and I couldn't believe how just cool and unique that golf course was. I mean, just in dense forest and nature, it's just this kind of beautifully carved out um, 18-hole golf course, and there's some really cool par threes just a lot of unique holes you never play the same hole twice it was uh it was really a kind of unexpected gem for me that i always knew pumpkin ridge was nice and obviously the usam there with 
Tiger is uh, legendary, but I, I wasn't expecting the course to be that awesome. It was really cool. Yeah, I've heard of that too. They have that web event out there, and uh, Vince India was saying he loved that place. It's um, it's just it's on the bucket. I gotta get out there. Um, so, um, you know, obviously your kind of uh, calling card win was the uh, NCAA regional up at Kohler where you beat, you know, great field. I mean, you look down the na- names of that, you know, you had Toasty um, from Florida. You had Tom Dietrich, who's RA1 on the Challenge Tour, top three in his first start on the European Tour as a full member. You know, Charlie Danielson, I mean, a four-time All-American. Tell us a, a little bit about that win. And I, I remember I was playing a tournament that same week, and conditions were just brutal. Yeah, it was uh, it was cold up there in Kohler, which definitely helped the, the Midwest teams that were there a little bit. Um, I know UCLA came out there and Florida came out there. Florida State was out there, too. They're coming from, I mean, May in Florida is like the middle of summer. So, no, but there was, the conditions were tough. But I, we played in snow a couple weeks before our home event in Columbus. So the cold wasn't really bothering us too much last spring. And, yeah, winning that event, I was just, I was just playing really well. I just had my mind pretty clear. I was it was either that was going to be my last event or I was going to play good enough to play one more time for Ohio State and just didn't didn't let the situation get too big or anything and just plugged away and played some really good golf, started putting really well. And um, you know, the final round, I started it on the back nine and we were the last team to go off or the last groups to go off because I was there as an individual with uh, another teammate, Will Grimmer. But... Yeah, it was, uh, I had no idea what the other guy, what the, you know, Florida Toasty had shot on his front nine. I turned it three under, and I thought I was still going to need to make a bunch of birdies to even have a chance, and made a couple more, and then I made a couple bogeys, and asked my coach after coming off my 17th hole what I needed to do, and I just was asking what I needed to do to make a 10 step ways, because I knew the low guy from a non-advancing team made it, and he's like, you're leading by one and you're in NCAAs by four right now and I was like it just I had no idea I was like what I, I thought I was still going to be a few behind and even win so then I just kind of made a couple good swings on the last hole made a good two putt and it just kind of happened I'd, I never really had thought about it that much the whole week just plugged away and tried to keep playing good golf and was fortunate enough to play good enough golf to win so you've uh you know you won two state ams you won this you won uh what is a lone star invitational too um are you do you like to know kind of where everybody's at and you know are you are you a leaderboard watcher like or are you somebody that just kind of likes to go about their business obviously you know winning is a tough thing to do and always curious um yeah, I'm definitely a leaderboard watcher. There's there's no way um, around that for me. I I didn't know what the Florida guy was at at the turn, but when I made the turn, I definitely looked and I 
tried as hard as I could to figure out what he was at, but there was no real leaderboards out there. Um, at the state am, I stare at him, um, just seeing what holes kids are through. You know, if they've got birdie holes coming up or whatever. When it's and I <clears throat> point out that I really only do this in the final round when it's the back nine. And I always talk about with my coach uh, John Perna that you know you you have a little, you have a strategy to get yourself in position to be able to contend and win. Um, but when that when it's the back nine, the final round, whether it be the fourth or third round, everything else gets kind of thrown out the window, and it's a different game. You gotta, you know, you're gonna have to make some different decisions. You're gonna have to um, kind of see what other guys are doing, how low you're gonna have to go, how many birdies you're gonna have to make. And I know some people have a very different opinion on that, but that's kind of the system I've always went with, and um, I seem to, you know kind of rise to the occasion when it's crunch time like that so it's a system I'm going to stick with moving forward and it's uh, just kind of the way I've always gone about doing it so yeah I definitely watch the leaderboards and like to like to know exactly what it is that I need to do and if it puts a little bit more pressure on myself so be it um it's just what needs to get done to to try to win the event yeah I, I imagine it to get yourself into that position where you have a shot you have to be playing pretty well and have kind of full control of the game so it's you know a place where you can kind of push put the pedal to the metal a little bit more and you know you're probably hitting really good golf shots already right exactly and you know you get to that point where you can even be in position to win an event you have to be playing exceptional golf so put in a little bit put a little bit more pressure on yourself and Understanding you to make a couple birdies isn't isn't really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of the golf you've been playing that week to get into that position. So you just got to kind of accept it and own up to it and just make it happen. So um, outside outside yourself, you know who are who are some guys and some names that you know golf fans should be keeping an eye out that are either playing Web or Latin America Canadian Tour, um, you know that could uh, really be great players at the next level or are still in college for that matter yeah um, obviously coming out of Illinois Nick Hardy is um, just really good he just killed everybody at the state am this year um, thought I played some pretty good golf to shoot what I did and I got second place at him by 10 so that was incredible yeah. Um, he's had great success at Illinois and other amateur events and U.S. Open stuff like that. So um, I, I made a joke. That's I thought, not a secret. I thought I could keep sorry. within if it, if it if I had made the cut at the state am. I'm pretty confident that I would have kept it within forty shots of Hardy. <laughs> Just yeah, he was uh, he was on a different level that week. That was uh, just fun to be to be a part of that because I think me and the even me and the guy who finished in third place, we broke the um, you know previous scoring record to par for state ams, but we still lost by ten and eleven. <laughs> it was uh, that course setup was, I mean, it was just for you guys that hit it and just bomb it, and it was just a wedge and putting contest for you guys. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, and he's a 
he's a really good wedge player and an exceptional putter, so that was really no surprise when you think about it. But other guys, um, Jonathan Garrick, he went to UCLA, played the Canadian Tour this summer. Um, he's a he's a guy I've known for a long time. Um, our families were old friends, and we grew up in California. But he's he's just a really good player. Um, hits it awesome, has an awesome short game, and he's uh, he's definitely a guy to look out for. He's played in a couple web events. I think he played in played in Mexico and Mayakoba. And uh, he's just a guy that um, I just think he's he's really good. And you know, when whenever it is that he's going to break through and make it to the top level, he's going to do it. Um, and then, I mean, the guy I played with at college, Will Grimmer. He he's you know the '59 kid. I know he'll get a chuckle out of that, but he played the U.S. Open when he was 16 at Pinehurst, and had a pretty exceptional uh, freshman season, making regionals as an individual last year, and uh, just had some had some really good finishes and got second at the Jones Cup last year too, which is pretty awesome achievement. So he's he's always a kid that you got to keep your eye on. He knows his game maybe better than anybody else I've ever been around. Um, just hits it awesome, throws in darts with his hybrid club, and uh, he's just a He's going to be really good for a really long time. Absolutely loves the game of golf and loves loves golf course architecture and everything else too. So he, he was a fun kid to have on the team and um, definitely a kid I learned a lot from. Even though he was a freshman, I was a senior last year. It was nice to have a, a kid on the team like that and uh, I could pick his brain a little bit and I think it made both of us better. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. He, uh, you know, guys that get it done in different ways. I. People always talk about like their dream foursome. Um, I think having guys with different games, like to watch, you know, it's like you, you don't want all bombers in there. Like that's a good question. Who would you, if you were going to pay to watch four guys play golf on the PGA Tour, which four would be in that foursome? Um, I would probably have to pay to watch. I want Steve Stricker in there because from what I've heard from everybody, his wedge game is just absurd. Um, I've seen him hit one wedge shot in my life, and that was when I was randomly at Medina on one Monday, and he was playing an outing out there. He hit one into the ninth hole, of course, one. And I was like kind of standing right there, and it came in flat. It skipped once, and it was like three feet behind the hole. And it was just like, it's a really hard wedge shot at Medina. I've hit that wedge shot a hundred times growing up, and just that he was you know just out there entertaining guys in a corporate outing and just threw that little wedge shot in there and I played with Daniel Chopra on a Monday qualifier a couple years ago for the John Deere and he said his wedge game's just ridiculous like he just hits these little balls in there that don't really spin they just take one hop and stop at whatever yardage he wants them to so I think that'd be cool to watch I think Dustin Johnson just because He's kind of a, a freak, even though playing with my little brothers like playing with Dustin Johnson, but he'd be a fun guy in there. And then I think you'd want to have someone who could just cut the absolute eyes out of the ball. Um, maybe even like Lauren Roberts. His, he just has the silkiest putting stroke. Um, I watched him at the Champions Tour event last year down here in Naples, and it was just 
even watching him tap in like three footers is just smoothest putting strokes you've ever seen. Lauren yeah, Roberts. It would be, uh, it'd be fun to watch a guy like that just pour it in from all angles all day. You got you got one more spot. Is it a big cat? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, no, it might be... Oh, man. Now I'm in a pickle. I, I would... Just all the force, it might have to be filled just so you get the betting angle in there. <laughs> just so you get to... Just so you get to watch the the money game unwind and having Lauren Roberts in there too, just dropping some bombs for some big cash would be a pretty pretty fun spectacle to watch. Yeah, I, I feel like Lauren Roberts would negotiate getting some pops, and then he would just you know drain everything all day. He'd probably be Phil's teammate, yeah. you know, the old guys. I mean, I guess Stricker's old too. I, you know, I like that you got you got a very interesting group of personalities in there yeah no I think that would if we wanted to like have a uh, professional golf money game on ESPN under the lights I think your first foursome of DJ Lauren Roberts Stricker and Phil is definitely a head turner I think that'd get the viewers in for sure yeah you know that's the thing that bugs me is like you know they talk about these like you know made for TV things and they always go for like you know the big four names like but if you got some different guys with some personality contrast to their games like i don't understand why they're you know they always want to do these made for tv things with just four guys why don't you do like four foursomes so there's like a lot of golf being played yeah yeah they want to they want to do like an under the light skins game thing it's got to be like three or four groups you know and that way you could at least have you could have the whole field on two holes maybe mm-hmm. but it would be more than just four guys because then if you got two of the guys that are squeezing that you know made for tv event in between a couple other events and aren't that into it or aren't that or aren't playing that great then it's just like it's, it's not even that fun to watch yeah i agree you know if they you know ever put me in charge of something like that that's what i'm 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 changing um, so, you know, down in Florida, what, what's it like? Have you gotten to know a lot of the mini tour guys down there? And, like, you guys, you get regular games down there yet? Um, I've played in a few. I haven't. I moved down just before New Year's. Uh, so I was down a couple weeks before I left for Columbia, and I've only been back two and a half days now. But, yeah, I've met a few guys. Um, I've gotten in a couple games at some local courses down here. I went and played in a minor league golf tour event over by Jupiter uh, before I left for Columbia just to get a, some competitive reps in. Um, busting out some major Tiger lingo now, but it's all about the reps. But, um, yeah, just I've met some guys at the club I joined, too, and um, I, I'm going to try to play in a few games like that and some mini tour events. Um but kind of, that's the nice thing about having full status down there now. I can set up my schedule, so when I'm back home, it's more just getting prepared to try to play as play as good as I can when I head down to Latin America. Um, so, you know, if I play well enough down there, it'll open some more doors down the road, and I'll be able to play in some other events and possibly some web.com tour stuff. So, um, kind of shifted my focus a little bit from playing in uh 
a bunch of the, the games and mini tour stuff to just kind of use my time down here to get prepared to go play as good as I can on the Latin American tour. That's smart. So you finished uh, top 11 uh, last week in Bogota, so you got full status. Um, you know, what uh, what country are you most, I mean, you're going to be all over Central and South America. Like, what are what are some of the sites you're most excited to go see? Um, tournament I'm really looking forward to. Um, I know that my friends that played on the tour last year said it was awesome is the Dominican Republic Open at Teeth and the Dog. Ooh. Um, which is much to my chagrin a Pete Dye golf course, but I've heard it's beautiful and it's on the ocean and it's in the Dominican Republic. So put those couple things together, you really can't go wrong. So that'll be a fun one. And then some of the some of the more interesting countries, like there's an event in Nicaragua. Um, I, my cousin out in San Diego is a huge surfer, and he's already expressed that he wants to come caddy for me in, in that event because it's 20 minutes away from one of his favorite surf breaks in the world. So I might have a surfer slash caddy down there for that event that week. And I think there's just some really cool – I've heard Buenos Aires is just an incredible city, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. And that's the second event of the season. And, um, yeah, and Antigua is another place that I've heard is pretty awesome. And uh, probably the last one that's going to be cool to check out is Ecuador. Playing golf right on the equator is going to be kind of crazy. That's at 10 or so thousand feet, which is even higher than Bogota was, so the ball goes even farther there. And it's right in the uh, capital city of Quito which is right on the equator, so that'll be just a, just a unique experience that you can honestly really only find uh, on the Latin American tour, which is going to be... I have never really traveled out of the country, just because I've always played in golf tournaments kind of during breaks, and I've always geared all my travel so much towards golf, so it'll be cool to almost study abroad and be able to play golf at the same time. Like I kind of tell people who aren't who don't know too much about golf that I'm almost going down to Latin America is like going to grad school for my golf degree. Um, just studying abroad and getting more experience and playing some events. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It should be, should be a cool time traveling around down there. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, I, I spent like 10 days down in Argentina last year, uh, right before I started this thing, and uh, it's cool. And I got to play the jockey club down there, which is like a McKenzie course. Really cool. Um, I mean, it, it's what a great experience to get to, you know, travel around down there, learn, you know, learn how to be a pro um, in some pretty cool spots. How do you um, go about figuring out distances that you're hitting the ball when you change altitudes? I've always wondered that. Yeah, that was a. Uh a hot topic when we were down there in Bogota. Everyone was trying to figure that out. Um, Bogota was at about 8,700 feet or so was the course was at. So it was about 12 to 13%. So we just kind of converted basic yardages of, you know, what 200 yards was at, at that elevation and, and so down. Um, so we just, we just kind of did some old school math like that me and my dad on the bag and it was a good thing my dad was on the bag because math is not my forte <laughs> kind of 
as a golfer, unfortunately, I've always had a bit of a problem with numbers. Um, never really succeeded that much in math classes, so having him on the bag was a help. And I also use this app called Flag High Pro, which you can plug in at your home course, how far your club goes. You put in all the conditions, like what elevation your home course is at, how far your ball usually goes with each club. You put in the temperature and the humidity, and then you can, when we were down there, I plugged in how warm it was, what the humidity was, and what the elevation was, and it was converting my club yardages for me. So I just kind of wrote those down too to have this reference, but it was going crazy far down there. Um, you know, me and the group I was playing the practice round with, the second practice round day on 18, 480 yard par four, and we all hit like 400 gap wedge and pitching wedge into it. Hmm. Um, just some 194, there was a par three the last round, and I hit pitching wedge that landed in the middle of the green and rolled out a little past the flag. Um, just because when you got a tee box with a little elevation there and you're already at crazy elevation, it just makes the ball fly that much further. And the higher you hit it, the further it goes. And I'm a pretty high ball flight player. So, um, yeah, I hit some hit some iron shots that went pretty far and some tee shots that went pretty far down there too, which is it's fun to play if you can control it. It can get a little annoying and aggravating if you're losing control of your ball up there and it keeps flying longer than you think it's going to or not as far as you think so but it, it's definitely a little different um but the apps that they have out nowadays like that flag high pro stuff definitely makes it easier for us mm-hmm. yeah I, I bet it's it, are you big like track man guy yeah i use it uh i like to use it when i'm in more of my practicing modes. I won't use it a ton this time of the year around tournaments just because all the information, I kind of want to know what everything is and what it's all saying. So I kind of can overwhelm myself a little bit this time of the year and get a little too technical if I look at it too much. But yeah, it's a awesome tool to use when you're working on your game and stuff. I bet it's just awesome for like wedge wedges. Like, you know, I, okay, this is going exactly this number. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, I mean, you see every week on tour, those guys all have them lined up behind them. And I know from when I've been at some web.com events, walking with some guys, the trackman guys just kind of roam around the range and ask if you need to check anything out. And you can have them set up shop and get all your distances for that week if you want. What, um, you know, with your game, you know, what would you say your strength is and what, where do you, what are you working on the most? to kind of get your game to the next level where you can uh, be playing on the web and then eventually the, the tour? Um, I think my strength has just always been scrambling and somehow shooting scores around even par, even on my worst ball striking days. And back in the day, I had some heroically bad ball striking days. Um, the last couple of years, I've been grinding with my instructor on getting more consistent uh, with ball striking and driving the ball and just overall my control of the golf ball and we've made some pretty big strides which has shown in the level of golf that I've been improving to over the last couple of years so we know we're on the right track there and we can keep improving but uh, my strength has always been 
just my short game and chipping and pitching the ball and, and putting, especially you know, just kind of par saving putts and just kind of grinding my way um, to shoot, you know, whatever it is I need to shoot that day. I've always taken pride in knowing that I can miss 13 greens in a round but still shoot even par. I think a couple years ago at Texas A&M I hit, hit two or three greens in a round still shot 71 just had like 21 putts or 20 putts or something like that so just I've always had the short game and I've always been able to grind it out so I know that um, as long as my ball striking gets better that part of my game is never going to leave so when those two things come together it's a pretty good combination and uh i could shoot some low scores yeah man i mean it's uh it's an art to be able to get the ball in the hole and uh something that not everybody can do it's you know i i think I'm, my game's the opposite i hit the ball really good and people are always like how'd you shoot 76 it's so freaking frustrating uh, <laughs> so we got i think another thing go ahead that i just need to keep working on is wedges you just see these pros um and these web.com guys when they get on courses that have good greens and the conditions are nice um i haven't really seen that on the web.com yet this year but it, it's coming i i'll guarantee you that they'll shoot some just ridiculously low numbers for the week and that's just because they're so good with their wedges and short irons they just have so much control over them and they can really have the ball do whatever they want it to do so just getting to that level and getting to the level when you know you're playing well and you've got some wedges in your hand being able to shoot six seven eight under par because you're you know you're going to make four or five birdies with your wedges in any given round so that's definitely the thing that i'm working on right now and kind of grinding on is just trying to get my get the level of my wedge game up there to you know that pro caliber level yeah, I think wedges with every single level of golf, like if you look at somebody that's a tier above you, they're probably a lot better with their wedge wedges. I mean, like it's I don't I don't think it's possible to be too good with your wedges. I guess that's kind of the truth with anything in golf, but yeah. It's a area where yeah, you can improve so much. I mean, like what Dustin Johnson said last year, he just practiced wedges for the first time last off season, and he came out last year, and no one could really touch him. I mean, he was playing just at an unbelievably high level of golf, and it was just because he he had just started practicing his wedges, and that's a testament to you know just kind of the freak he is, but also a testament to how important wedges are. And if you if you get your wedges going good, it just kind of can make you unstoppable when you start hitting everything else well yeah I, he's just he's a freak it's just crazy to me how little he works and how good he is it's uh but i think he works harder than people give him credit for um so yeah we, we got a ton of quick twitter questions here um you know there's a lot of a lot of uh action on your brother who you know, I, I saw for the first time at the State Am this year, he was on your bag, and, like, I, I did, like, a triple take because he's, like, a he looks just like you but is, like, seven foot two. So, you know, who hits it further, you or your brother? Unfortunately, my brother hits it way farther than I do. 
Uh, I like to think it's close sometimes, but it's really not close at all. I mean, he it's to the point where if I don't hit a good, I don't hit my driver well, his two irons up next to my driver. So I, that always keeps me on my toes. If he's seen off first and I see he's got the two iron and I see him hit it well, it always puts the pressure on me to make sure I hit my drive good or else I'm going to be, um, he's going to be talking some, talking some smack about how he outdrove me again with his two iron. But he's, he's insanely long. He's getting a lot better now too. He's, his game's getting tighter. He's learning how to put it together. And he's a kid that if he can figure out a couple things in his game, he's going to be scary good because he's got exceptional touch for a guy that hits it as long as he does too. So I'm waiting for that breakthrough to happen. But, yeah, he uh, he bombs it by me, unfortunately. Is he, He's at Florida Atlantic? Uh, Florida Golf Coast. Oh, that, that school that had that crazy good basketball team for like a year. Yeah, exactly. Dunk City. Um, so, you know, uh, with that, you know, to much of the chagrin, you know, I, I saw that Will is a, a member of the Pushcart Mafia. Um, yeah, he 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 does uh, he does push when he has to play in tournaments and carry his own bag, which is it's a little it's a little unfortunate. He. He cites it on his that he has uh, scoliosis or something because he's too tall and his back screwed up. So that's what he he tries to place it on. He's like, my back's too long to be healthy. I think it's a one-liner he said to me before. Um, so, but yeah, he unfortunately he pushes. I'm I'm pretty strong on team no push cart mafia, but. It's just might be a little bit of ignorance and hard headedness, but I'm sticking to it. You know, I I'm I'm a recent convert to the push cart mafia. I I hate to admit it, but just you know, in a tournament it doesn't make me any sense to me why you would you know, like when you think about like athletic competitions, like okay, you know, the shoulders are an integral part of your golf swing. Why would I put a like thirty pound bag on my shoulders for four hours. Like, how could that possibly help you? Four hours, that's being generous. If we're playing at a tournament, you're probably carrying it for six. Yeah, well, I'm thinking that the bag's down on the ground for most, you know, for long periods. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah no, there's, that's definitely, uh, it's an extremely valid point, and I, I don't, I, uh, people that push that doesn't matter to me at all I completely understand it I just for me it just it's such a small thing but having to like walk around every green I, I've tried it before and that just drives me nuts and like having to like walk around bunkers and maneuver around and when you're playing early in the morning and you're pushing your cart and all the dews spraying up onto you those are just the, the couple things that the couple times I tried it um I did use it for some 36 whole days in college golf, and I have to admit my back and shoulders felt much better at the end of the day. Um, but I'm also kind of have a hard head sometimes, so I stuck with carrying it. Yeah, I like the Sunday bag too, but the problem is, like, I hate putting it down on the ground all the time. Like, somebody's got to come up with one that's got, like, a good stand, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like a... 
like a little kick thing that could kick out of the top of it so you could have like a little stake that keeps your club heads and because the problem with Sunday bag is the grips get wet because most of the Sunday bags water just goes right through them yeah and and it it's just a pain in the ass when it's always on the ground I just I don't know that, but I I used that for a couple tournaments this year I liked it but I didn't like it you know so uh, you know yeah. Posse here has pretty loaded question um, favorite former Illini and uh, favorite member at Medina now keep in mind I'm a former Illini so I'm man this is he's put me in a really bad position with uh, this question he's asked here <laughs> and I know I know he did it maliciously too yeah um, <laughs> I would so favorite member at Medina I probably I'll have to go with Posse on that one. He's uh, he's always a fun guy to see around the club, and we've had some really awesome rounds of golf together. We played, I think it was two springs ago. We didn't get one in last year, which was unfortunate, but we need to get another one like this and again. Where we played, we went out on three one afternoon, probably teed off around three o'clock, and just me and him, we walked 18 holes in a little under two and a half hours, and it was just the most enjoyable, perfect day, nice, brisk round of golf. There was no waste of time or anything like that. Fortunately, there was nobody in front of us, and we, uh, he was giving me, he was giving me some crap because I was trying aim point at the time, so I was taking a little bit too much time on the green, figuring out my aim point line, and, uh, you know, doing sign language to myself, figuring out how, how much the putt was going to break. Um, but we had some fun out there, and that was, definitely one of the most fun guys to play with around there um and then favorite former line eye i'm sorry i think i have to go with my man alex burge on that one um we had some we played some great tournaments together and had a lot of fun uh just seeing each other at events and we had a great championship match at the cdga at Knollwood. uh he beat me on the last hole but it was a great 36-hole final match, and we played stroke play in that event that year together, too, and he's always been a really fun guy to play tournaments with and um, see around at events, and I know he's in the golf industry right now working for Excel Sports, I believe, so uh, look forward to seeing more of him in the future, and he's just, he's an awesome guy. I've seen him at Radix Cup events and stuff, too, and he's just uh, a fun guy to be around, so I'm going to Sorry to you and Papi on that one, but I have to go with Burge for favorite former Illini. Uh, it's all right. You know, no hard feelings here, but I think uh, Mr. <laughs> Mock Turtleneck might be a little butthurt from that one. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, what, what are your, some of your favorite holes on uh, Medina 3? And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on Doak's redo of 1? So my favorite holes on three, I think my favorite, my one favorite hole on the golf course is hole 12. Um, I think it's just the, I know that there's some people don't like that hole. I think it's a little weird. I think the pitch of the fairway is awesome and just the left to right. It's not a dog leg, but the whole, the entire hole kind of moves left to right. The ground moves left to right. And, um, there's that awesome lake right at the green and the hole's the greens perched above it. I just, anytime we're playing evening golf out there, whenever we get to 12, 
it's just uh it's a really cool approach shot and you hit some good shots on that hole to walk away with the par um and then i think one also is one of my other favorite holes just because that's by far the easiest hole on the golf course and it's it's always nice when the first hole is a little driver and a wedge and especially to anyone you're taking out there for the first time you play hole one with them and they're they're thinking oh this course isn't too bad it's not too hard and then uh the course just likes to punch you in the face a couple times from two through 18 so one's just a, a fun hole because it's it's a really easy starting hole it's a good way to get the round started mm-hmm. and then doke on course one i think he there's definitely some quirks about it there's some interesting things that he did but overall i think it's it's a really fun golf course and uh the last thing you know course one was just a pretty uninspired design before the redo and the back end especially was quite boring with a bunch of par fours in a row felt like you played the same hole almost 18 times out there and um I did have a lot of fun matches on that course growing up, but it was nice to have him come in and spice it up a little bit and give it a lot more character and just make it a lot more fun to play now. Um, there's some, the front nine's awesome. Before what he did to that hole is a great golf hole now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really, there's a lot of people out there that are gonna, that don't like what Doug did at all with one. They think it's kinda, quirky or whatever but it's not it's not a little course three like course one had always been now it's its own unique golf course and we're in a position now at the club where we're going to have three unique 18 hole golf courses which is something not a lot of other clubs in the country can say um so i think that's going to be really cool yeah yeah it's uh that's a you know i think olympia used to be four which is crazy to think about but you know medina yeah it's. I think you've got your three is just you know in my mind it's it's really hard. I think it it needs a little bit of character. Uh, I think everybody knows my uh, my feeling for the Jones family is is not one of yeah. you know of warm fuzzy feelings. So I'd love to yeah. see that one get you know a little bit of a facelift by someone that you know doesn't believe in just dismantling character. But the uh, I'm excited to see one and uh, two when it's done. But uh, so let's do a couple of quick questions here, and we're running up on hour 15. So um, we got some rapid fires um, from Brett. What's your favorite golf course hot dog? I know this is an important question for him. Man, it's I'm gonna put it in the hot dog family because it's not a hot dog bun, but Olympia Fields burger or Olympic Club's burger dog is unbelievable. Yes. Um, put Transmiss out there last year, and it's it's a hot dog shaped. I guess you call it patty on a hot dog bun, but it's a burger with cheese in the middle of it, and it's just it's unbelievable. I had my brother was caddying for me out there last year, and he the two rounds I put out there, he might have had in a practice round. I think he had eight or nine, <laughs> and I had. I had less than that. I might only had three or four, but they're incredible. He was, every time we passed the halfway house, he had like one in his bib and one in his hand. He was just chowing down on them. I think the best food he's ever eaten. But uh, 
yeah, for me too, that's definitely my best golf course hot dog I've had anywhere. You know, Skokie's got a really good hot dog, I think, too. They do they, they split the hot dog, which I think is, like, so underrated. You know, they split it down the oh. middle and, and then put it on the grill. I think that's, like, the, you know, it's, it's a key to a good hot dog. Yeah, absolutely. The guys out at Halfway House at Corsair will do that, too, if you tell them to, to butterfly it for you. They'll split it and then throw it on the grill. That's how my dad... So he's got him done out there. So yeah, absolutely. That's a great call. It's uh, definitely definitely spices it up a little bit and makes it better. I uh, actually heard from my fiance, who's in the ad world, and is that hot dogs are going to be like the new burger, which I I don't buy it, but that's what she says. So you know, that's, that's uh, it's good. Yeah, that's- Good news for Brett. I'm a huge, I'm a huge burger guy too. So I think that's why I gravitated towards the Burger Dog Olympic Club because it it combines combines the best, uh, you know, ninth hole snack and probably my favorite American cuisine of a cheeseburger. So hit a home run for me there. All right, Olympic Club. It's on the list just for the the Burger Dog, not just you know because of the great golf course. So, what's the purest boom tower you've ever hit in your life, and how many alarms do you set to wake up in the morning? This is from Logan, and I'm I just I'm curious about the purest boom tower. Um, Logan, he was a teammate of mine at Ohio State. He's a fun guy to have on the team. Countless great memories from our time together at Ohio State. But purest boom tower I've ever hit. Um, I'd like to first clarify what a boom tower is. My teammate, Sean Bush, um, came up with boom tower our freshman or sophomore year because we have this huge cell tower at the end of our range at Ohio State. And depending on where we're hitting at on the tee and what the wind's at that day, if you hit a good enough drive, you can actually hit the tower on the fly and it makes this huge noise of the ball just rattling around and all the metal there. So he did it one day freshman year and just yelled, boom tower. And we just, it stuck with our whole team. And whenever a guy would hit a big tee shot in a practice round or anything like that, that would always get called out. But the purest one I've ever hit was probably at regionals last year on the last hole at Black Wolf Run on the Meadow course. Um, the ninth hole, it was just tough win and tough tee shot. And I just sat up there and bombed a little cut out there and it was it was a tough tee shot because I knew I had a one shot lead and that was the shot I had to navigate around and was able to hit one out there pretty good and left myself a short iron into the green instead of a mid or long iron so that's definitely the one when I saw that question was on docket stuck out in my mind that I had to bring up as my Pierce boom tower yeah I mean there's nothing better than hitting just a pure golf shot under intense pressure you know yeah it's kind of why we practice and play is to make the most of those opportunities yeah it's it's, it's weird I, I i don't know how you feel but i get i'm nervier early in rounds than later in rounds yeah no it definitely um can depend on the circumstance a little bit but yeah especially what I've always found tough is the first day in a big tournament kind of just getting those first three or four holes out of the way because those could be you know your 
the club maybe feels a little heavier in your hands or it, when you're walking around it your feet feel a little lighter you're just not fully comfortable in the situation yet so those can be the the most nerve-wracking moments or the toughest ones to navigate around just waiting to get comfortable in the round yeah um so let's see uh best um illinois like as a high school junior uh golf tournament like what's the best one that you played in um and just in the state of illinois and this is from derek i think the most memorable one for my junior golf career in illinois um has to be the the medina shriner tournament that was held out at medina every spring um, 36 holes when I was growing up it was on courses 1 and 2 1 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon and which has recently switched, I know they've been playing course 3 the last couple of years which is, had made me very jealous um, but yeah just everyone would take and come out and obviously it was me going out to my home course to play in a tournament and it was just a blast um eating lunch in the clubhouse in between the rounds and getting to play the two courses I grew up on. And I was always, course two was only 6,300 yards and not a lot of trouble on it. It's tight, but it was pretty short and pretty easy, but everyone seemed to play better on course one and everyone got to course two. The greens are smaller and a little quicker and it, it seemed to give people headaches. So it was always, it was just a lot of fun playing that event with all your friends. Um, and, you know, back in high school and middle school, getting to miss a day of school for it, too. It's just always good memories. Cool. It's, uh, I mean, I always remember junior, whenever you got to play a great golf course was the best. You know, it's uh, getting off the, the local munis and onto the country clubs was always fun. So uh, we'll end yeah. with uh, a couple quick hitters here. So golf tournament you most want to play in uh, in 2017. Um, I don't know. Oh, well, if it's 2017, probably the U.S. Open. Okay. I'd love to get through qualifying for that. I made it through the sectionals last year and didn't play that well at sectionals, but I'd love to have another chance at that. And I think if I'm looking at tournaments to play in this year, yeah, definitely the U.S. Open sticks out as uh, number one on my list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um so if you were uh you know if you were in a pga tour event who would you most want to be paired with uh for the first two rounds of your first uh uh pga tour event Ooh, that, that's a really good question um probably guys that would that would just be a fun time to play with um random one but this sticks out jerry kelly he seems like he'd be a a super fun guy to have the first experience with it you know he'd make you feel comfortable and he'd just be a, a relaxing guy to be out there with you know it wouldn't it'd be tough to play in a first tour event with a you know a huge name or a guy that is super serious out there because um, whenever you're playing a, a first event whether it was a first big amateur event for me or usam or something it could be um you know a little intimidating so being with guys that would make it easy and as enjoyable of experience as possible would be awesome so i'd say a guy like jerry kelly and this goes against everything i just said too but it'd also be just sweet to play with tiger woods in a tour event i don't know <laughs> that would just be my dream so yeah. 
I, I gave two exact opposite answers to the spectrum there, but that's what I'm sticking with. Yeah, I, uh, you have like everything that you don't want with Tiger. Big crowds. He'd probably be a nice guy. New Tiger is a nice guy on the golf course. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so, you know, five courses that you most want to check out and see in the near future. So, you know, kind of like your five bucket list places you want to play. Um, that's a good one, too. I think Shore Acres. I've never played Shore Acres um, for, I'll put two Chicago ones in there, Shore Acres and Old Elm. Those are two places that I've never been out to in the Chicagoland area and that I'd really like to check out. For I want to head up to Sand Valley. That's, I've always played a ton of golf in Wisconsin. My family's always gone up to Kohler and Aaron Hills for some family trips, so I think to head up to Sand Valley up there too would be awesome. Um, another kind of Midwest one, Crystal Downs. I've always... I've heard nothing but awesome things about that place, and it's not too far from Chicago, and that's kind of another area course that I'd like to knock out. And then, other than that, just kind of the, I think the biggest one on my list is just Cypress Point. We we played out at Pebble in college, and I've been out in Monterey before, and I've played a lot of courses in that area, but the, the one that you always drive by, and, you know, we hopped out of the car, and walk back to the cliffs a couple times to check out 16 and 15 at Cypress. It just looks like it's heaven on earth. So that's that's probably at the top of my list right there. Yeah, I mean, that place looks so good. I, my, my grandpa, I guess, used to get, he'd get this two-week, he knew a member out there, and he'd get a two-week pass to play out at Cypress back in the day. Like, I think this was in the 60s or 70s. And one time he had a friend come out and like he was so pissed because his friend really wanted to see Pebble, so he had to leave Cyprus for a day to go play Pebble. <laughs> and that's an awesome story. Yeah. And my, I'm jealous of my mom there with Cyprus because I think she played either three years in college in an event there or maybe all four years. So she, she said she's played Cyprus around 13 to 15 times. So that's, uh, and you know, Cypress to her, she's like, oh yeah, I've played out there quite a few times. It's not really a big deal to her. She didn't, she's like, oh yeah, it's, it's a beautiful golf course. It's a beautiful piece of property. And I'm like, it's Cypress Point. It's like, you know, it doesn't get really any better than that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still waiting on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Just got to It's a place you just patiently wait. All right. And, uh, last question here. Who's your favorite architect? Um, alive or, or dead to play? Seth Rayner. He just, there's just something about, I can't, it's just, every time I go to a Seth Rayner place, I know I'm just going to play a super classic golf course. I'm going to know exactly what a few of the holes are going to be like. I'm, I'm going to know you know, the kind of stra overall strategy of how he wants you to play the golf course and where you need to attack and the holes that are going to be available for you to make some birdies on and the holes that you're going to have to navigate around. So um, 
I've had pretty good success on Seth Rainer courses in the past, and I've never really played a, a Seth Rainer course that I haven't loved. So I would have to say Rainer. Yeah, I mean, really good. Everything you said, so true. I just I got to cross another one off last week at Mountain Lake. Just, you know, can't go wrong when you build a golf course that is centered around, you know, the greatest golf holes, you know, of all time. You know, it's just if you build your core strategy around there, it's like really hard to mess up in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome, man. Well, Hey, uh, I hope everybody listening got to hear, but give TK a follow and, uh, add them to your favorite players on the Latin American tour, which kicks off in a couple weeks. Um, TK's really good Twitter follow too. So, uh, looking forward to following along while you, uh, start your journey and uh best of luck and we will be uh we'll be cheering from the sidelines man absolutely thanks for having me on and i love everything you're doing with the golf course um overviews and the template holes all that stuff it's it's awesome and love reading all about it so keep doing what you're doing with the fried egg i love following along and love reading your stuff all right man well we'll uh we'll get a game in here uh soon when I'm uh, either down in Florida or up here in Chicago. So be well, man. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks again.